What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Middlecoff! Hey, Warriors are still playing. Have you heard? That they are, guy. That they are. Do you notice they, they didn't even play Game 7 yesterday? I know. How'd they, how'd they avoid that? It was incredible. How'd they avoid that, guy? I, the, the very elites, I thought they were uh, going to pack their bags and fucking go home. Guess it didn't quite play out like that, huh, guy? A little more guts. A little more guts, John, than, than anticipated. Yeah. I bet Craig Ackerman's fired up today. First thing I oh, actually let's let's uh, tell the people first about I know I don't know what you're doing. They turn your attention to the Astros. They're they're gonna be tweeting at you soon about the A's are six and a A's can't even get to five hundred. My We're- first tweet my first tweet would be like, Hey guys, about twenty seven hundred people watch those games. I got another one really quick, I'm not gonna do a deep dive into this, was like Your city is poop and, and needles everywhere. Like, yeah, I don't I'm I'm not <laughs> propping that up. You're talking to the wrong person if you think like I'm like uh, some San Francisco homeless truther. I I, I ain't like uh, promoting sanctuary cities here. And our roads suck. I did they do they know about that? Yeah, we, we got fucking issues. No, I, I, I ain't just I ain't disputing that, my John. Nine nine problems, but the basketball team ain't one. Uh, that's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk more about this uh, in a moment, but first let's tell the J- people. Jay Z was at the game. Jay-Z was at the game. Yeah, with, with Beyonce, and so was the yeah, Queen of Dragons. She, what was she wearing? Beyonce's outfit. What was that? I don't know. She always looks good. I I, I got a quick... Uh, I'm going to throw a flag on this one. The Queen of Dragons. I'm not a Game of Thrones like truther or a diehard, but I do occasionally watch. I mean, I watch all the episodes, but just loosely for the nudity and the violence. I don't know anyone's name or anything. I, I don't even really like the show, but it's going to end. It's a historic show, so I'm watching I didn't watch last night, but the Queen of Dragons, you know, the blonde hair chick that's mm-hmm. really gorgeous. That's in the, the one show. person I recognize from the show. Yeah, I mean, she is, I don't know if she's a 10, but she easily is kind of the defining character to me of just the casual fan. They know this beautiful Queen of Dragons chick. Guy, they showed her sitting at half court during the game, and her hair is not blonde. She looks like a five. I, I, I was, it was one of the most 
eye-opening experiences of one human that is just like, God, this. I'm going to watch Game of Thrones mainly just for this chick. And then I see her live. I'm like, ew. What? I'm just, I wasn't okay with that. It was just it did not go well for me. I actually might not watch these last two episodes because of that. You know what I learned? You know what yeah. I learned about I don't I've not watched an episode, I've not watched the show. You've never watched an episode? I've never watched a full episode. I think maybe early on I watched maybe I started an episode. Uh but I've never maybe I was in a room when someone was watching an episode. I haven't watched it. I'm not a hate like whatever. I'm not uh, obviously it's a phenomenon. I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater either. It is what it is. But I did learn, I guess there have been some issues. I read this great Twitter thread about, I didn't know there's two ways to, that writers write a show and then they have names. There's two ways you can write a show. One is that you do the whole like story arc and the outline of the show first, and then you write the script to that outline. Right? Like, so I've you, always wondered So you this. basically like build the frames of the home right. and then you fill it yep. with, the, with the nuts and bolts of... Yep. Appliances yes. and furniture and stuff. That's right. That's called plotting. That's called a plot. That's a a plotter is the type of like P L O T T E R S. Those are plotters. That's the way to write that show. Same for movies. Oh uh, yeah, I would imagine. I guess that like the thread is just there's two types of ways to write a show. Gotcha. So I guess it applies to movie. The other way to do it is apparently the way these books were written, which is that you don't know necessarily where it's all going to go when you start writing it. You just start writing it and uh, and as you go, things develop. And then, you know, that's a little harder in the end to tie up in a nice, clean way. But apparently when you write that way, the characters have are more real because you're not just like trying to get them from A to B to C to D to E. You're just letting them grow like a garden growing wild. And writing that way, if you're that kind of writer, the other way you're a plotter, if you're that kind of writer, you're called a pantser. Like you pants people. So what is Game of Thrones? Uh, written as a pantser. They're pantsers. Like you pants people, you're just revealing things at the last second. Like, I, I like just love the name is pantsing. The I problem, because like that. that's how the writer wrote it. The writer of the books is a pantser. But apparently the problem is then when you put an end date on the show, like seven more episodes, then you got to clean all this shit up. And um, halfway, yeah, halfway through the show, they went from being pantsers to they had to become plotters because they had to plot the end. And then kind of backfill. Then you start working backwards. And um, I don't know anything about the show, but people were freaking out this last weekend or Sunday on Twitter. I saw everyone was mad. And this the thread I read was basically saying, well, the characters have become different because they've been writing in a different way. So it's good, no you know. good knowledge there, guys. I don't know anything about the show, but I'm, I'm a pantser, John. I know that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> a big pantser. Because life is, is pantsing. Right? Oh, yeah. Life is not well, plotting. Life is pantsing. Me, I would imagine the best television shows, whether it's The Sopranos, you, you just name them. Yeah, uh, I, I can't. That's the one that always comes. Up. The Wire, whatever. Were pant written like pantsers. You just let the each episode develop as you're writing it. Right. You don't go in with the end in mind. Yeah. Or maybe see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sports is pantsing. Like that's what's great about sports. People are like you can't write a script for this. Like it's pantsing. It's just. Well, it's the, it's the ultimate reality television show. Right? It really is. Although the Kristen Cavalieri show started last week, people were tweeting at me like, are you watching whatever that thing was called? Like, Paradise Island? Well, it's like, why was the PGA no. Championships this week? I don't know if you know. Like, why was the Masters so great? Because you couldn't have you, you couldn't have written the Tiger Woods story in a movie. No, right? John, the, sh the thing would have been canceled four, yeah. four seasons ago. Yeah. If, it was a TV, if Tiger was a TV show, they would have canceled it 
five seasons ago. Yeah, the moment he was laying on his back, and uh, my little brother showed me a headline yesterday. Little brother, I mean, he's way bigger than me, but he shows me the headline, and it's uh, whatever the, his new girlfriend's name was like. How she calmed him down and helped bring him back to greatness. That mm-hmm. was like the page six headline mm-hmm. of whatever the like Julie or whatever his new yeah. chick's name yeah. is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it might be a little strong. Yeah, but. It's, it's a little reach. <laughs> uh, but you mentioned the PJ Championship, John. It is coming up, and this podcast is brought to you by mybookie.ag, where you can go bet on uh, the PJ Championship. You can bet on the Warriors. Do a little parlay out there, Middlecoff likes. Mybookie.ag. Well, I, I think there's some interesting stuff, Guy, because the PGA Championship, is Tiger Woods going to win back-to-back majors? You can get him at 12-1. to 1. I like JT at 20-1. to 1. Ricky Fowler is going to win a fucking major sooner or later. That's 20-1. to 1. And then my wild card is the weirdo Bryson. He's going to win one, too. He's 40-1. to 1. Now, it's really cold. Beth Page Black's in New York. It's rainy, cold. Looks pretty miserable. I don't quite like Tiger as much in the elements. Back gets tight, you know. Knees get... It's hard to get loose. Mm. You probably would have to like a younger guy if it's a little colder. It's just easier for those guys under 35 to get loose. Uh, except unless your name's John Middlecoff. Or guy. Hey, man, I feel like I'm always tight. But uh, the we, other thing we is... We were guy, playing in the rain last week, John. Yeah, we were. And we did pretty good. Uh, is that the series prices for the NBA. The Warriors are clearly a massive, massive favorite. And under no circumstances should they not win this series, even if Kevin Durant doesn't play a game. The one series, though, the guy that's pretty interesting, and I know the Bucks have been a damn good team. They have home court advantage in the entire NBA. But to me, they're a minus 300 favorite to win the series. You can get the Raptors, who have been only lost two less games than them during the season, and Kawhi didn't even play in 22 of them. He clearly... You know, I think the old adage, right, is you bet on whoever has the best player in the series. Well, Giannis probably the MVP, but you probably, if you just had to give him the benefit of the doubt, one of the two. Do you know that Kawhi Leonard just arguably had the best series in the history of the NBA? Averaged over 39 points and shot over 62%. It might have gone down a little bit after game seven. But you can get the Raptors plus 240, mybookie.ag, promo code AM1. Also get that 50% bonus. So what I did is I said... I made a uh, pack, no more parlays, but I can't put a bunch of money on the Warriors at minus 560 because you got to bet 560 to win 100 bucks. So you got to parlay the two, and you got the Raptors plus 240. With the Warriors, you can get them at three to one, guy. So 100 bucks wins 300. There you go. All right. Uh, let's talk about the Warriors, John. Let's start with game six. Uh, this was. Um, I told you we talked about this. Game five was as alive as I felt in a long time watching a Warrior game. You know, uh, like eating a good mango, your mouth comes to life. You're just like, oh, this, the colors, all the world turns to color uh, all of a sudden. It was just, it, it was it was the old days, John. You, they say you can't go back, but felt like we did. And then game six was incredible. And we had two different game six watching experiences. What, what were you, tell me about your game six watching experience. Uh, first half, you met, met a friend out. Uh, lady friend watched the first half I, I wasn't quite feeling comfortable because I wasn't being able to take it all in there was this weirdo sitting next to me never shut up at a bar so like, L- listen yeah I mean kind of I met her for dinner she was not the weirdo no she was not uh, they'll probably never talk to her again that she was uh, I just had to get home I'm like I, I gotta get home and watch second half you can come over I know we just met 
but if you don't want, I, I'm going home to watch this. This means this means a lot to me in my life. Again, more because I was rooting, I was hate watching and hate rooting for the Rockets to implode. Also taking great joy in the Tom Brady of the NBA, and it's the three guys. It's Draymond, it's Clay, and it's Steph. And their, their games were playing out all a little differently. Like Iguodala and, and Iguodala, I think you can throw them in there because he's been a core four. Like that's their core four when I think of their greatness. Obviously, they're led by the Splash Bros. Draymond's having an all-time great playoffs, but I can yeah. feel it. I'm like, this is fucking – this is a special night. I can just – it's weird. I don't know who's going to win, or, but I got to get home. So I get home, and then, guy, I've just – it was incredible. It's it's. I, I was a little bit prisoner of the moment because I think if you go back game six, OKC, that's the greatest moment. Like that is the defining moment of the era. Like that was their peak. Uh, Playing, I don't know if it's the yeah. So I peak, yes, peak I, wrong. Peak no, no, wrong, I don't know if it's war. defining, but it's if you could take one moment and experience that one moment over and over again, that's what I would pick. Is that I, I I was driving to the gym on Saturday morning and our buddy Dickinson. He was actually on, I think, with Cozumore, and they had Tim Bontemps on mm-hmm. the show. Mm-hmm. And Tim was like, listen, I, I've been covering the NBA now for 12 years or whatever. I've been to countless big games over and over. He, he said that OKC, just in all the games I've ever been to, that was the best game I've ever Like, in that moment, in the arena, I've just never been in it. And he's like, the second, which I think is a distant second, was the Game 7 LeBron. So, like, that would be right up there. That's a historic win. But Clay at 41, Steph at 31, 10, and 9. But to me, guy, the way it played out, they were a seven-point dog, the biggest underdog they've been of the career era. Steph, because the way I'm watching I couldn't tell he had no points. I knew it wasn't going well, and I knew he was in foul trouble because he wasn't in the game. And Clay was going nuts, just hitting shots. It, it was like, God, Clay fucking kept him in the game. And then the way the game ended with, again, so much joy. And I, I, I call them... I don't call I, I call them this, but I, I believe this. I'm not even trying to be like facetious or be funny. Those two guys, for being all time great players, James is gonna go down as one of the best isolation individual offensive players ever. And the media anointed Chris the point god. Now he's not that guy anymore, but for a long time everyone viewed Chris for like a seven or eight year stretch as the best point guard in the NBA. They are historically poor big game players. Both of them had had historical low moments in big spots. As the favorite guy, like that's it's well, not just happened one time. It's happened multiple times throughout their careers. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, to me, and, and same with Mike. To like, me, same with about Mike. He uh, always loses that game, guy. Yeah, I mean, he he had Steve Nash got hurt uh, in one of the on probably the best team he ever had in the postseason. For, but for whatever reason, it always just goes against. I get, him. Yeah, I get it. Look, I, I to me that 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 game was more about the Warriors being great than the Rockets being soft. But, but, but guy, I, guy, they could not have come back despite Steph going nuts without some of the dumbest turnovers. Oh, I understand. In the most critical moments, but this in is, the history of a big game. But, they, but they this is how these games happen. But that's how these big games ha- like the team that loses usually isn't perfect, and the team that wins usually makes incredible plays. Um. I'm just saying, I, to me, it was more about Steph than anything else. Because at the end of the day, yeah, they were not favored. But, like, I remember before that game just thinking, like, wait a second. the war- Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. I know it's not Game 7, but I think they got to know their backs are kind of against the wall because they know they're not getting Kevin back. So these guys who have won multiple titles have been through fires together. They're a seven-point underdog? 
But again, guys, Rockets? I think most people thought maybe that crossed your mind. It did not me. I heard Anthony Slater well, on I their just podcast. Thought of it like, John, I just thought most of it like people this. thought they were going to get beat and I, blown well, out. Yeah, I'm not saying I knew they were going to win at all. I'm not saying that. But you just take a step back. I, we always do this with basketball. It's like, okay, let's just go through the best players in this series. Who are they? And I think one thing that happened with the Warriors was, and I was I, be, I was saying this after, on the last podcast before Game 6, just because you look at Steph during the series and go, well, he hasn't played his best basketball. To me, once you take Kevin away, now who Steph is and who Clay is changes. But I think we've forgotten that kind of over kind the last of, couple but years. Because Kevin's been maybe, so fucking good. Maybe, but this is the point I made before the game on this podcast was, let, don't assume that Steph isn't a better player when Kevin's that, that he isn't a better player when Kevin's gone. Like, uh, what, what? Oh, I said it's like fight or flight. Like you lose Kevin, and everyone else has to grow a little bigger. You raise the the top of a plant planter box, and the plants grow a little taller. Like this is part of what's going to happen, I think. Then Steph had no points at halftime, and I thought, like, God, my theory, not a great theory. But I'm just saying, at, to me, if you had said before Game Six, who's the best player in the series? What percentage of people would say? James Harden. I'd say, I mean, just casual NBA fans, non-Bay Area? No, yeah, just, yeah, just... Uh, 80? Yeah, I mean, I, it might be higher than that. Yeah, it would have been really, it would have been close to 100. But to me, if he's better than Steph, which it's a fit, like, you can make that case, it's not by much when you take Steph at his best. So all of a sudden, Steph shows up. So who's the second best player in the series? Is it Chris Paul? Wait, say it again. Who's the who is after? Sorry, the third after Steph and, and James. Let's just give. Let's just say James is the best player. Not even argue about it. Let's just say it. And Steph's two. Who's three? Well, I mean, in 2019, there is no chance on God's green earth that it's Chris Paul. It's Clay and Draymond. Okay, so you're telling me that even if you say James is the best player, the Warriors had three of the four best players in the series. Once Why you not? Take Once Durant you start out. Doing this exercise, yes, you sound stupid. You're like, how the fuck are they? I, I'm agree with you, but we don't do that way because it's more like they were so dependent. What's crazy to me is even people like me that, and you weren't like this, but I think most people even around here who have probably watched. Check the tape. You and me are a little bit of outliers. Probably watch every Warriors game of this run. And I'd say the majority of like Warriors fans have watched a high, high majority of all the minutes. Besides some blowouts where they turn off and go to bed of this run, we felt it in game five. You're like, God, you don't fucking count these motherfuckers out. But then it's like, well, it's in Houston. It's a must win for their situation. It's probably going to come back for game seven. They have that as a backdrop. To me, then the Warriors go in this kind of with just kind of do a gunfight, but just with machetes and go, you might kill us, but we're going to take some heads off. Yeah. And then it comes out. I think this is what it gets back to, though, more guy, that at the end of the day, and I think Tom Brady has benefited a lot from this over the years, is he's not just the best player, he's the most prepared, and he just wants it more, and he's just more clutch in big moments. Like, he's the ultimate package, and so was Michael, so was, like, Peak Tiger. Like, that is what Steph, Clay, and Draymond are. They're better than you. At the end of the day, they're just better than you in a big spot. Second, they truly just want it more. Yesterday, Draymond, he was Instagram and maybe a humble brag, but he was at Soul Cycle. You got it. Clearly, you got to give him credit. Like he's all in on this this run now for the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? Losing all the weight. Uh, you know, Steph Clay and uh, Steph and Clay, how hard they work on their game. Like they just deep down, it means more to them than James and and Chris. Here's the other thing too, guy. I feel I, I've been saying this forever. But I heard Bill Simmons say this on his podcast, and you know, I, he's a basketball historian. He's like, I, 
there's never been a bigger difference than the regular season and the postseason just because of how little these players now care about the regular season. Mm. And I, I don't totally blame the players. They make so much goddamn money. The games don't matter. Your big deal's always been urgency. But it's like the second round of the playoffs is like a different sport than what you, if you turned on TNT in January. Yeah. It truly is. It feels yeah. It feels closer to the NBA Finals than it does any random regular season game. I mean, like that. Both. I mean, we'll talk about Sunday. Those no, but, games. But, but I'm not. I'm not just talking about Warriors. I'm talking about the entire playoffs. Yeah, you yeah. Just, that's what I'm saying. The Sunday, the two games we got Sunday felt closer to the NBA Finals. Like I'm going. Wait, that was the second round. Well, but and I'm not even talking Game Sevens, guy. I'm just talking if you turn on the playoffs. Like when I felt when we were growing up. Playoffs get more intense, but I felt like I get Michael and Charles and Akeem. Like, you watch them on a normal night, like, they're going balls to the wall. It's not like that anymore. So it's kind of discredited. To me, it's discredited a lot of the regular season stats. It's why the postseason just fucking means more. Like, it, it, it means infinitely more. And I think a lot of people would argue that over the long body of work, you know, the the higher sample size, it just means, like, what C.J. McCollum, what Kawhi, what these guys are doing means more now. There's more emphasis on it. And Chris and James continually shit the bed. Now, James has gotten better. Like, he can score at will now in the playoffs, probably more than he could four or five years ago. But some of those decisions, and don't get me wrong, the Warriors, of an all-time great team, no team's ever consistently turned the ball over more and just like, what the fuck was that? But... In the biggest spot of the biggest games, beside probably Game 7 against the Cavs, which they did screw up down the stretch there. But in this game, the the difference of how locked in the Warriors were in a situation they didn't have to win, where the Rockets were in a must-win situation at home, the turnovers from James and the flopping from Chris for all-time great players. Because I, I, while I hate Chris and I respect James, though I think he's got some flawed ways he go about some things it was pretty embarrassing like that is a blemish on the resume yeah big time well i think the warriors are very much like the patriots in that when you take a step back and you look at the dynasty as a whole you go utter dominance which is what it's been but when you go game by game season by season there are all these moments where it's like god the patriots could have two less super bowls the warriors could have lost games well they that's not a good example because they lost that finals but um like the the margin of victory in gate clay steps out of is called out of bounds in game five maybe the rockets come down and win and if steph doesn't go off in game six maybe they don't win that series last year if chris doesn't get hurt maybe they don't win that i guess what part of makes the the journey fun is like these individual posts along the way are actually smaller margins but in the end it's not that they got lucky all these times it's not that the patriots got lucky all these times lucky is definitely a part of it from time to time but they are just consistently in these situations, and they consistently get, air quotes, lucky in these situations. At a certain point, it's because you're just better, A, at playing the game, but B, at handling these moments than the other team. And that's, One, that, that's what this team, that's what this Warriors team is about. It's like, well, and I think there's you, two, you get lucky five times now, maybe you're just freaking good. To me, too, there's two parallels of the Warriors run now that's similar to the Patriot run. Their opponents constantly try to discredit them and talk about shit that just doesn't matter. Grigson did it with the Flategate. Everyone always did it with uh, Spygate, even though the whole league was spying. And just no. shit like that. When, when, when You notice the Patriots never spend time. Daryl Morey did it this year with the audit, which is an all-time embarrassing uh, blemish for the league, which oh, yeah, has done forgot, nothing. Yeah. Like, that happened. So, do you notice the Warriors don't worry about that shit? Like, do you know what they care about? The fucking game. You know what the Patriots worry about? The game. 
And you know, that, that's why when you look at the teams that have kind of got over the Patriots a time or two, you know who wasn't a big, like, let's worry about Spygate or Deflategate? The Giants with Tom Coughlin. What were they focused on? They matched the Patriots. We're just focused on football. When you focus on other shit with the Patriots and the Warriors, the refs, uh, the, the weird crowds on the road, you know, weird sh- you just shit that is beyond the fucking lines of the sport, you're going to lose. Going to lose. You know what's funny now, about that? Oh, Le- LeBron did it with the teabag of Draymond. Or did Draymond teabag LeBron? I can't Draymond remember. Draymond teabagged him. No, yeah. LeBron teabagged him. Wait. He, yeah, Who LeBron teabagged, LeBron teabagged yeah, him, yeah, yeah. and then he kicked him yeah. or pushed him. So LeBron did care about it, but he used it to his advantage to get Draymond out of there for a game, and that sparked the comeback. But then once the comeback happened, they focused on basketball. You have to, if you are ever going to beat the Warriors, it has to be 100% basketball-wise. And you're still probably not going to win. Like, if you are going to beat the Patriots, like the Eagles, strictly focus on football, and they're not going to choke. You may beat them, but they're like to me, the Rockets, I, I – there was a choke element to them of the turnovers, of shit in the bed, of looking tight, of just not having – they never have, guy, just a go-to play when it gets truly nut-cutting time against the best team that they're going to play ever, right? Of this run, that's the best team the last two years. It's just like, shoot a three! Can, can you guys just – like, you notice the Warriors? They shoot a lot of threes, too. Not anywhere near the Rockets. But, like, they can move the ball. They can get a different look. They can just – they have so many fucking pitches, the Rockets have two pitches. They have a fastball and a changeup. And when it's working, they can strike out 15 and go eight or nine. To, to me, they never have when their shit's not on late in the game. Like, can they get out of the seventh with two runners on when, when they're a little tired? They, they can't throw the slider or they can't throw the curveball for a strike or get a, get a key strikeout. They always give up a big double off the wall. And that's where the Warriors, they've given up a double off the wall. But for the most part, guy, they're getting that K or getting that double play, and they're walking off the fucking the line, high-fiving their teammates on the way to the dugout. So, two things. One, it's one of the reasons I defend Steve Kerr, just because I feel like when that when they need a bucket, someone is always, like, open on a back cut. Like, they just – they when, when, you, when a coach is going to make a difference in a possession, I feel like they've always got it figured out. And part of well, it is they're hard to guard. Well, they're, they're they hard to guard, options. and, and their, their players are – Probably the highest high IQ group ever when you just factor in the four or five guys together, right? Yeah. Yeah. It has to be their up basketball. There. Yes, no doubt. Their basketball IQ. And actually just their real IQ. They're, they're all just smart, period. Well, and wouldn't you argue that most like people that are like, God, Tom Brady's football IQ so hard. Yeah, Tom Brady's a smart motherfucker, right? Tom Brady, just he's just got a high IQ. He's a so, smart guy. So second thing, so I was I was calling the Stanford Cal baseball series this weekend, and this is what I was telling you, like your story about how you watch the game is great, because to me, this is what makes baseball and basketball so different than football. Whereas football, if that game, like if if it was Super Bowl Sunday or let's just say the AFC Championship or Wild Card Weekend, you wouldn't have been if it was a game that mattered to you. If it was like the Niners in that game or the Raiders, John, games that would have mattered equally depending on the opponent. Um, you wouldn't have been like half on a date, half at a bar, going home at halftime. You would have been in a place. Everybody would just be where they are for football. But basketball. Why baseball, I'd have been in front of my own that's TV right. by myself. That's right. But basketball and baseball is just like there's multiple games and there's weeknights and there's it just you, you like the schedule. Well, I kind of thought, thought there would be a game seven. So I'm like, yeah, it's not that big a deal, you know. So I was calling a baseball game, but I had the thing streaming. I was calling the game with JT Snow, and this is important in a moment. 
and then everyone in the press box is kind of watching the game. And the guy, the guy, a few people down, his stream was four or five seconds ahead of mine. So if he like reacted, I was always just looked down on my phone and I could see what was happening. And then I got home pretty late on Friday night and I got in bed and I had DVR the game and I had my earbuds and I just laid in bed and watched the second half of the game at midnight. And it was, I, it was such a great experience. Just like in bed, just, just cause it was so dramatic. Um, and actually what happened was after the game, when I left the, when I left Cal, the first thing I did was I went to Twitter and I looked up, um, Adam, uh, Catalan. What's what's the guy? Andrew, Andrew Cl- Catalan from CBS. No, no. Uh, Adam Clan. Clan. I looked up his Twitter just to see like, what's the other, is it going to be one of those? Like the, the journey was what, you know, we're all in this together. No, he had tweeted at Clint Capella about what a failure he was. I couldn't believe, like he tagged him in the tweet. Couldn't believe it, John. Couldn't believe it. Well, he's a he's an all-time loser fan, boy. Like, that's kind of been exposed here. Uh, but here was what you made me think of as an aside, which is, so I was just randomly talking to J.T. Snow this weekend because we're doing the game together about his dad. Uh, and his dad had been the Rams radio analyst for many years until he died. And he was the radio analyst when the Rams... Because he, pl- he played for the Rams, Played for right? the Rams, started in L.A., then went to St. Louis with the team. So JT was at Tom Brady's first Super Bowl in 2001 because his dad was the radio analyst for the Rams. He's like, you know what's funny? He said this to me a couple days ago. He's like, you know what's funny? I went after the game. I saw my dad. I met up at like the hotel lobby. And you know what my dad said? He's like, my dad goes, gosh, it's like they knew everything that was coming. Like they knew all of our plays. (laughs) He's like, I'd forgot about it until the Spygate thing happened. And And I guess his sibling was like, remember when dad said like the Patriots knew all their plays? Like, yeah, I do remember that. So the loser always has a. Uh, but again, but and this I'm is not where calling I, his dad a loser. I'm just saying when you're on the other end of that, you always have those stories. But the fact is, as time has played out, the Patriots have just turned out to be great. You know. But you know what's funny is I go back to that mindset, and I think the Rams and Marshall Falk said this forever. They blamed that they remember they snuck in to their walkthrough, and that Bill knew all their plays, which I don't know if he did or didn't. But I know this. It's now been proven over since 2001. We're now in 2019. The Bill's going to know more shit than you. Yeah, if he had never won another Super Bowl, I think that would be tr- yeah, treat like, well, that story well, differently. Bill's kind of stealing. Well, maybe. But as I learned when I first got to the NFL, and it was right as the green dots and that stuff was coming, that signs went out, everyone was stealing one. Two, you were playing the greatest coach we've ever seen. And we just didn't know it yet at the time. So, yeah, he knew all your fucking plays. You know why? Because he probably worked 24-7. That might have been a Super Bowl where they were still on a one-week. That might have been the first two-week Super Bowl. I don't know. If it was the first two-week Super Bowl, it makes even more sense. Bill had an extra week to get you? No shit he knew. Because remember that? One of the big things on that game was like Bill had this crazy game plan against Marshall Falk because right. everything went Took through Marshall. He hit so him a lot, right? Richard Seymour, Brewski would just yeah. follow him and crush him. And it was like, yeah, that's Bill's been doing that ever since. And again, back to the Patriots, I, I think these guys, and they've been discredited a little bit because Kevin came here when the irony was they should have gotten credit for it because they grew out and they flew out there and they, and Steph said, yeah, I want you to be part. Why wouldn't you? I want more help. Why wouldn't I want you to come here? If you want to come here, we'll, we'll teach you the ways of greatness. Steph said after the game with Scott Van Pelt, he's like, this was a pressure moment for us. The best player on our team was not around. He, he said the best. He called Kevin Durant the best player on the team. He's Steph Curry. He's got three chips yeah, and two MVPs. That. Like to me, you get like 
One thing about Tom Brady, one thing about Steph Curry, they are the ultimate all-time, probably in sports, get it, guys. Does Steph truly believe that? Maybe, maybe not. Because I think there's a chance, like, yeah, he just he knows it's the right thing to say. But just having the the ability to say that on Sports Center, like, I don't think most guys, like Dave Miller, no. took so much pride yesterday in CJ going nuts. Let him run the final play. Clearly in the huddle, they're like, this one's for CJ. A lot of players of Dame's status, first team All NBA, would want the ball even when he had just had a game winner in the last series. Yeah, I mean, is it countless game winners in his life? I mean, you could argue besides Steph and like Kevin, he'd be right up there with like Kawhi, like all time game winning shots you'd want right now. He's like, yeah, give it to my fucking guy. Let's go win this guy. And then he's in tears after when they're winning because he's taking so much joy together. Like, that's part of team sports. This isn't Tiger by himself or. Martina Navratilova, like that drop, uh, by herself. Nice. Yep. Uh, it's just this is a group, and this group when they're together, just like Tom. Tom would be the first to tell you, like, I need Jules, I need Gronk, I need Slater on special teams. Like, this is a t- I don't do this by myself. That's where James and Chris, especially James, he's so just dependent on himself. Their shit just gets weird because, like, everyone's kind of. I, I will, like, if I could just say this for James, I did think at the end of game five, like, part of the criticism he got is that he was passing too much. Right. But, I, but I'm not that, that stupid criticism. To me, this I game. I agree that stupid criticism. Was like, he, he had a couple just horrendous turnovers that just, as a player of his level, that's now probably under contract for another $200 million, going to make $500 million his career. There was a legit narrative, which I was kind of buying. Like, is this guy just a better ISO player than Kobe? Like, I, I, I'm sorry. It, his greatness in his regular season somewhat is rendered. There is something to be desired in these big games. Like, I, And I'm not arguing that just one-on-one to get a bucket, even in a game seven or a playoff game, that motherfucker can get a bucket, right? I'm not disputing that. But in just... He just gets in these weird spots. You could feel the pressure. How could he not feel the pressure, him and Chris, knowing that, like, God, this game's tied. They had been playing like shit. We're at home. Like, they, they got tight. And a lot of people, when you play Brady, when you play Steph, Clay, and Draymond, you get tight because they put the pressure on you. Because you just – you can't kill them, guy. You shoot them, and they just keep getting up. They keep getting up. Then you hit them with a bat, and they keep getting up. It's like you literally can't kill them. Again, they're, they're going to lose again someday, whether it's next year, whether it's the following year. But again, they're not going to flinch. They're not going to fucking choke. They're just going to lose. Like, to me, these other teams will, like, choke, lose. Like, uh, last night, I didn't see it because I was at dinner, but I watched it back on my phone. The Jimmy Butler takes it coast to coast. Like, to me, the Sixers didn't choke that no, game. No, they just they, lost. They just lost. But before we get to that game, though, uh, let's just talk about this other element. Game one for the Warriors is Tuesday. Blazers. Uh, Ramona says uh, Katie's not playing game one. Reevaluated Thursday, so probably not going to play game two. Uh, to me, which, the yeah, go ahead. The, the shitty part for if Kevin doesn't play this series, like the Warriors get a lot of credit for beating Houston without him, because like yeah, those two guys are just better than your two guys. Like to me, that they're. They're such a huge favorites against the Trailblazers, and they've already beat them a ton. That it's like, if Kevin didn't come back at all, and then they won the finals without him, they'd have, they'd get some credit for the finals. Re- but I don't think anything's going to change the narrative just for the Western Conference Finals, which kind of sucks because I think me and you just like I guy, I'd be okay if Kevin just does not come back. Not not obviously next year, which I kind of want him to leave, but I mean literally does not come back this playoffs. That's what I'm rooting for. 
Because I like that. I like that. Those no, guys. I know. Well, because what it is is you. Part of what makes it likable, right, is that you do know there's a chance they lose. Like that's why Game Six was great because you thought they might lose, and you thought well, if they lost Game Six to the Rockets, they might lose Game Seven at home. Like that's why it was great. What What if like like the Eagles in their prime, like when they were like in their prime, prime, probably one of the biggest bands in the world, just like we've added. Just another lead singer, Steve Perry from Journey. He's just gonna do some other shit. You're like, we didn't need this. You guys were sweet alone. But that, see, that's where like, like the Beatle part of the deal with the Warriors is when you, and this is where free agency comes into play. When it's like, if Kevin Durant had been a Warrior from the jump, it would be different. Like the Beatles were were great from the start. They had two of the greatest singer songwriters right together, and they just no matter every time they got together, they made. They wrote a song. But I'm yeah. saying once those two prove their greatness, they didn't need to add Don Henley to the group. Exactly. But I'm just saying, like, if they had not been together from the beginning and then they got together after they were individually great, it wouldn't have been quite the same deal. Although I did hear so, there's a story out there that, that like, Jimi Hendrix tried to get Paul McCartney to join him after the Beatles broke up or something like that. Um, but that would have been a weird, ma- that been a weird yeah, match. I, I, Paul McCartney says he never got that letter from Jimmy. Oh, they didn't have phones or anything back then, huh? No emails. You had to like show up on somebody's doorstep. Didn't Jimmy die when he was like thirty? Yeah, Jimmy was young. I don't know how old he was, but I, I thought it was might have been the twenties. Um, what year was it? I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a little wiki Wikipedia. Jimmy Hendrix Yeah, died at twenty seven. Forty two to seventy. He had a short lived little run. Wow. So he would he would have hit him up in the sixties, late sixties. Yeah, because the Beatles I think would have been like sixty eight. Isn't that crazy? 69. He lived till he was 27. It is wild. His really his active years. I mean, one of the truly great short-lived runs in the history of of life, 63 to 70, like an all-time short-lived run impact. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but anyway, like that's part of it is when you come up together, it just feels different, you know. And I think we saw that in what Draymond said about them after the game about Clay and. And, uh, well, well look at OKC. Look at OKC, right? Like those three guys together, it was totally. like organic. But imagine if after 25 years old, they had all three got together. Exactly. And be like, They're rigging the goddamn league, right? When it's Kyrie and KD together in New York, it's like, oh, you know, this again. And Zion's in Cleveland with John Beeline. Well, well, well guy, think of, think about this. Imagine if Kyrie and, and Kevin go to New York in the lottery, and they trade the number one overall pick to get Anthony Davis, which I would imagine they would do. Which lottery. would be crazy. Lottery's on thir- uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. This is a pretty big fucking lottery. It is. It's a huge lottery. I didn't realize Beeline was 66 years old. Third oldest coach in the NBA. Kind of wild. Yeah. I, then I, when I woke up and I saw that, my first thought was, God, Dan Gilbert just went to his alma mater, and then I realized he's a Michigan State guy, right? Right. The But the assistant GM played for Beeline at West Virginia. But I'm just saying, remember, he kind of went after Izzo, right. and then there was just like, he didn't want to take away. It was He was in a weird spot. It was the, I think it was the this, uh, what's his name? The the Ross, Stephen Ross deal. Same thing, Yeah, like, right? didn't want to get Harbaugh. This one would be like an Ohio State Genius. guy or a Michigan State guy stealing. I mean, that's that's a pretty big, <laughs> like, to me, the story, to me, isn't the story, Michigan just lost their coach? Yeah. Who are they, what are they going to do? If I were them, I would try to get Nate Oates from Alabama. Maybe you get Chris Beard. Texas Tech. I don't know. It's tough. I love it's these. Good, mid, I love these out of cycle coaching searches because it's like everybody, every AD is like, oh, who has a legit coach right now? You gotta. I saw. I saw like Jeff Goodman 
or one of those guys wrote he had flirted either last year or two years ago with the job and they knew that I think the NCAA stuff is just bothering him so he yeah. was he got he was going to leave like they're kind of ready last year the Pistons job was the one he almost oh, that, took. that that's what that's what it was that's what it was what about uh Obviously, the Warriors' biggest story to me, again, I'm biased, of the weekend. The random, the Lakers have hired Frank Vogel was pretty was pretty nuts. And I mean, Jason that Kidd? Was, that was a wow moment. That, and Jason, and Kidd, Jason Kidd, is to me, is the one. And then Stephen A. does the report like, he's not going to be, Vogel's not going to be the coach for long. They're shutting it up for Jason. Like, huh? Well, and, and Vogel, part of his deal was he just took a three-year contract, right? He was like, yeah, yes, we've got to get in. I don't blame to him. To me, Stephen A. was like, you know, the Lakers didn't want to make kid their head coach because of domestic violence. Like, he's well, been a coach yeah. since then. Yeah, and he's you're hiring him on your staff, so you're not too good. What? This They are a disaster guy. It, dude, it is so wild. I Frank Vogel, Jason Kidd, LeBron, tell me that you're not rooting for Kyrie to go to L.A. Because I am. I'm all for Kyrie going to the Lakers. I am all for it. I'm hoping it happens. Here's you want to hear a little middle cough hope. Yeah, Kyrie goes to L.A. with Vogel, kid, kids the coach by Christmas. I'm kind of rooting for this team just because I don't, I think the Warriors would be the complete underdogs to them, but it would just be like it'd be kind of sweet. They play each other four times. Kawhi and Kevin go to the Clippers. And just leave the Knicks out of it. The problem with that is I want the finals to, the, to be great. To me, the Knicks could get Zion or whatever. I, but but it, I, I, just think want, I just want, to me, the problem with he- heavily loading the West is like, then you get to the finals and it's like, like yeah, That's man. why I wouldn't mind Kevin and Kyrie on the Knicks. I, I just, the closer we come, he's really going to go to the Knicks, Kevin. He's going to stake his claim to the Knicks. Somebody said today it's 95%. Who was that? Was that I just CBA? feel like. They're going to have a pretty sweet pitch. The Clippers are going to come locked and loaded to get these two guys. But because that's if I was Bronze Town, like that's my thing. It's like, do you want to be? But if you're, but if you're Kevin, why don't you just kick his ass and just embarrass him? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's that's logical, but yeah, I don't know. That's what that's Uh, what I'm looking for. Other NBA, the uh, the game seven Sundays, the mid range J, then of course uh, the Raptors one of the three, but it took four hops. Which uh, which which game in which which one were I know you were not as locked in at the evening game because you were at Mother's Day dinner but uh... well the first half guy I don't know how much the first half of the night game or the afternoon game you saw it was hard to watch like they it were was just not terrible. good yeah Harlan's uh, like the Raptors are shooting thirty three percent or maybe it was thirteen percent thirteen percent whatever it was the the morning game was just fantastic because the Blazers were getting their ass kicked then they just come storming back. And I, I think those two guys are the poor man's versions of Steph and Clay. Yeah. Like they may lose, they may miss shots, they are not going to choke, and they're just winners. And that game by CJ to me reflects Dame in a positive light. It shows that he is no problem. He's a great teammate. Why wouldn't you want to play with that guy? Why wouldn't one of these free agents want to go play with those guys? Like to me, if I'm Jimmy Butler, if I'm Tobias, like I want to go to that. Uh, and, and just CJ. To me, my issue with the mid-range jumper, and I, I give LeBron had a, some good tweets. David West had a bunch. Buddy Jamal Crawford. Uh, sometimes I crush Chris Paul, and I know Jamal follows me, and I'm like, he's never said anything. I wonder if he unfollowed me. 
He, I wonder if he's sneaky. He hates Chris Paul too. They play together, but yeah, yeah probably I remember likes Bobby him. Jackson would always see Chris Paul and just look like thinks like think the world of him, like big hugs. Loves Chris. And, yeah. So I, I would imagine he likes him. But a lot of the basketball guys, especially the older players, like thirty and above, I think they're tired of because they hear it a lot. I would imagine in practice and just around their coaches who are hearing it from the front office about shooting three, shooting three, shooting threes. No one disputes that shooting threes is not a dumb – like it's a smart thing to do. But I think these analytics guys and Gold, that Kirk Goldsberry guy, didn't you have him on your show or something? Dude, you we know? met him in Vegas. You don't remember oh, this? That, oh, that, that's what it was. I knew him. I'm like, how do I know this guy? I used to, yeah, he used to come on the radio yeah. show in Fresno before he uh, took an NBA job. Back his, yeah. And then we book, met him when we went to the summer league. That, that's what it was. That's what it was. In his book, he said anything beside a layup or a three is a moronic shot. And – I think the NBA players and fans like I think me and you find like it's just like that's ridiculous. And there is because the analytic guys get so consumed like everyone's just trying to discredit analytics. No, I think you guys do a poor job of ever admitting like, yeah, there are other opportunities. They never the number guys ever admit like, yeah, my way might not be 100 percent right. They refuse to do that. There's an arrogance and a talking down, which I don't think like. LeBron's not being arrogant about it. He literally shoots threes. He's acknowledging it's a smart shot. He's improved at it. But when you're told, like, game on the line, down one, shoot a three, you're going to lay up. Well, what if I fucking my sweet spot's at 15 feet? Like, that's it's not a dumb shot. Right. And they this yesterday, this I got a lot of – or I, I, I didn't get a lot. I just saw a lot of my timeline. There's a referendum going right now. Don't let it discredit analytics. Well, I do think it's fair to say that in the biggest moments – if all you're going to do is shoot threes like the Houston Rockets and tell your players to never do what C.J. McCollum does, when you have, like, can James Harden hit a 12-footer or Chris Paul? Clearly, you're at a disadvantage. Like, the, you know what the Warriors do? They get a good shot. Now, if they're down 10 with five minutes to go, they start gunning threes naturally. That's not dumb. But in a tight game, they are not beholden to the three-point shot. And it's not, obviously, Kevin is an elite mid-range jumper, but Steph will do it. Clay will do it. Draymond will shoot a floater. Iguodala will draw. I mean, they'll just do other shit. And I, I think that's where basketball analytic people have kind of lost me. I, they they refuse to say that sometimes a two-point shot is not a bad shot. Because two, as Bob Ryan said on Twitter, two's better than zero, right? Yeah, especially like situations dictate. And then you think about like, so is to me one of the, in the last five years, like one of my, one of the more indefensible shots. We don't get to see it a lot. But Sean Livingston's turnaround jumper from about 10 feet out is a is an unguardable shot. Well, you, you know, that's not like the Daryl Morey's of the world. I don't think they allow their guy. I mean, there's no way you can not allow, but they 100% coach against that shot. Right, right. And it's But that's an end of, like, for that guy, it might be harder for him to get to the basket, but that's a, it's a layup in well, many he's, situations. He's six, He's six foot seven, and usually their backup point guard is six feet tall. I'll tell you this: like I remember, there was a time, and obviously we talk about like we are in the era with, that you're talking about, where this is a, a a shot that some people just will not take. There was a time I remember when we would always talk about like young players don't have that shot. I'll tell you this: watching a lot of college basketball, like in the Pac-12, like there are guys, a lot of guys take a mid-range shot. So, but uh, it's it's easier. So if you're not as good of a player, right? Uh, yeah, on, on I'm just saying. Level. Like, I feel like there was a time in the college game where that where people took less of that shot, and now there are college teams that have all the same analytics that NBA teams have that are like, we are two like layups and threes. That's who we are. But I don't think there's like this you're, lack so of you, youth you're, players you're, that have that you're, shot. 
So you're arguing that uh, uh, you do bas- college basketball games, you don't see it, or you do see it? I'm My observation is that a lot of teams have the same information that NBA teams have on the value of threes or twos. Like there are plenty of teams that value it the same way, or at least to a point. But I don't. I do think there are young players. There was a time before we got to these twos versus threes where I still think you would just hear old heads talking about young guys don't have a mid-range game anymore, right? Yeah. Now you don't see like post up, like face up bank shots. You don't see that anymore. But I have seen a lot of young, like college basketball players that have a mid-range game that I think for a point in time did leave the NBA. And it's just kind of odd to me that I'm seeing guys do it at a time when the threes and the twos are getting so emphasized. But I think one of the reasons it's happened is that that is an open shot now because defenses are stretching out for threes. I would say the cop, when you say you do a lot of, but the game is different. You're right. No one runs their offense through the post. Like you do find in the NBA, even if it's to kick it back out, but the post guys are usually not offensive players or is that not true? Um, no, there are a couple teams that do, but yeah, I mean, I think that's largely fair. You don't have, and the, Back to the but basket when you, game when you defensively say when it, gets get has been de-emphasized. Like it's it's getting harder and harder to you don't have a lot of post up bigs. I remember watching a lot of DeAndre Ayton when he was at Arizona. When you do get a good big guy, they ran a lot of shit through him, right? Yeah, I, I but think it's, it is it's, dependent on the player. It, it's yeah, it's just there aren't a lot of back to the basket guys in college basketball. So true. And I but I but I think part of like what LeBron would tell you, or the players that are anti it that the guys like Daryl, they don't even want to mess with that type player. Like, they wouldn't even want him on the team, and that can help. Like, the one thing that helped the Blazers out is that they got a lot of production from Nurkic. Excuse me, uh, Cantor. Like, he just helped, rebounded, putbacks. Like, they had a presence with a big guy inside, which they thought they were screwed once Nurkic... I was was actually watching that game live when his leg shattered, and it felt like their season was over that night, and they've benefited. What, What have the... what? To me, one separating fact, we have not mentioned this guy's name one time, of the Warriors versus the Rockets was Kevin Looney was the best big in the series from blocking blocking shots into getting rebounds. And a lot of the Warriors, when they would lose the rebounding battle, it wasn't because Akeem was getting him, right? It was because like the guards would get him and P.J. Tucker was getting him. So they lose a rebound battle. It's not because they're getting out-rebounded by Joel Embiid, it's that like PJ Tucker would just end with nine rebounds and Chris Paul would have seven, right? They mm. that that happens because they play small. But when Looney's in there, and instead of going the super super Hampton five lineup, he just gets a lot of rebounds because he's how tall is Looney? Seven feet tall? He definitely six eleven, but he's long. Yeah, I don't just, think he's quite there, but but he's like a six ten, six eleven long guy. He's you got long arms. The Draymond's listed at six arms nine. are long, but he's short. Doesn't feel nine. like doesn't feel like he's a little taller than yeah, that. Yeah, he plays he plays bigger than that. So it's just I, I this analytic movement. I again, I, I've never met one person that beside like Charles that's anti it. That really, if you just talk basketball, it thinks like the three's a dumb shot anymore. But they would also say, yeah, there's a, just a math that that everyone understands. But I, but I think those analytics guys. This is what drives like LeBron and Jamal and these guys nuts that really live around these guys every day. They tell them don't take that shot ever. That's that's the mandate from the top, which I think is a little extreme. And I, I give the Warriors a lot of credit. That is not their mandate, right? At all. No, partly because they some of this like, hey guys, let's take a few, let's 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 chill a little bit. Like they've kind of chilled out well, on c- the three. Couldn't you argue that the Warriors losing so games, losing like game gr- seven? Yeah, losing game seven last year. If the Rockets at about three pointer number fifteen that hasn't gone in, go. You know what? 
let's run a, like a mid-range shot for Chris just to get a bucket, just to take a breath. Because what you meet with these coaches all the time during the season when you're calling the game. Like in that situation, sometimes it's like we just need to get a bucket, get to the line, get fouled. Just have a we, – we just need to get a, a, a number change on the scoreboard, right, if you've gotten 10 straight misses. And you could argue that's one of the most reprehensible moments in NBA history to force 27 straight threes. It wasn't 27 straight shots. It was 27 straight threes. That's that's unheard of, guy. That's even like the the highest level basketball guys in the league. Like, yeah, probably at about 20, maybe mix it up. Like, go to the rim. Yeah, maybe nine. Maybe nine. I mean, that's a lot. Like, nine's the, the, a lot. You you agree there is zero chance on God's green earth, even with Steph, Clay, and Kevin on the court. That by about like twelve to fifteen, Kerr wouldn't call a timeout no, and say yeah, something. No doubt, but I also think like, yes, period. I also think what's this is what makes Steph great, right? Is he's maybe the greatest, or he is the greatest three point shooter of all time, but he's also one of the great finishers at the basket, and he's one of the great passers. Like he's just. But that's what I, I mean. That's Chris Paul is one of the great mid range shooters of all time. Like, bro, just shoot a mid range shot and get a bucket. Right. I'm like, just saying, like Steph, like there's not a quadrant on the floor where there's not something he can do. And I, I think analytics guys get so offended. It's not a referendum. No one's saying that. But can you acknowledge, like, that's a good shot by CJ? They they refuse to acknowledge that. They, yeah. The on goal the balance, mathematically, world, you're not going to win taking that shot. It's like, yeah, but in this moment, he just won the game doing that. And and what were the Nuggets doing. They were getting like Jokic shooting shots and it's just come on guys. Like there's different ways and this is what Belichick, this best coach right now in all the sports, I'll do whatever it takes to win. So if this is working, we'll just stick with it. If it's not, I'll change. Isn't that the point of life? Like if you're running a business, if something's working, you keep riding it, keep riding it, then you're like, well, we probably need a pivot here if it stops working. You just have to have other pitches. And I think when all your only pitches are threes and layups, which there was points in the in the in the Nuggets Blazer game. Dame his stat line didn't look great, but he kept driving. He kept driving. I kept thinking, why does he keep doing that? Going into Jokic, he's getting a shot blocked. He's just hitting the ground. I would imagine they tell you, well, it kind of opens us up. You know, it just opens other parts of the court up. It's not necessarily. I know I'm not gonna hit the shot most of the time, especially going right into their center, who's a elite player. He averaged like, you see his numbers like 29, 13, and nine. Like, it's like a historically great series for a big. He had an unreal playoffs. That guy's good. I, I didn't, I'd never really watched them. But they're just smart players. Like, and I think James more than Chris, because I think Chris does. Like, when he's, when they kind of get rolling, Chris will shoot that mid ranger. And it has that perfect, what Kobe always said was like basketball porn, the snap of mm. the, of the net. Mm. That's Chris. I think James has been ingrained by Daryl. His game is really just, he does not shoot long twos right the only two he shoots beside a dunk or a layup is the floater like he he he's kind of a creation now he's an again i'm not just discrediting him man but his game is you know what's coming now a lot of times most people can't stop it but he only does two things he drives or he shoots threes that's it you know what kevin would say i drive i dunk shoot mid-rangers shoot fadeaway threes shoot fadeaway two i do it all you have no goddamn clue what's coming with james i know exactly what's coming and he hasn't got over the hump either time, even with say, CJ and Dane. But, I don't but again, I would say Kevin's a, Kevin's unique too, right? In his length. But but, but I'd say so that James, makes that shot maybe James, an easier shot than it is for James. But it's James can get open on everybody. Like why couldn't you shoot that like little the way he jumps back from twenty feet instead of twenty six feet? 
right? Yeah. You're right. I mean, he's just on TV, just eyeballing James. I know he'll probably say he's a little taller. 6'4". You think that's fair? 6'4 and a half? Yeah. He's not, he's not a 6'7 guy, right? Right. He's really built more like a... I mean, he's built like a running back. <laughs> I mean, he's a great player. But I, I do think his style... Unlike like CJ and Dame, they will just do whatever it takes, right? They're not like ingrained. We got to do mid range. We got to shoot threes. We got to shoot layups. We got to pass. They're just more open. Even Kawhi, like I'll shoot threes, I'll dunk, shoot mid range, I'll do whatever I have to take to win. It feels like the Rockets will do whatever it takes to win their way. And again, you could say, well, they're playing the Warriors. They were, you know, they shouldn't beat them anyway. But the Warriors were there to be beat now twice in two years, and they just refuse to get outside of the lane. To me, that's that's ignorant. And because your way works, you can factor that in. Just add a little something else. Try it because you're going to lose anyway. But they refuse to deviate, guy. That, that's where I do not disrespect or I do not respect the mindset that comes from the top. And that's Daryl. Uh, and he's just stubborn. You know, he's just, he's almost too smart. He's, he, there's like a better, you know, like a Chip Kelly. Like, bro, mix it up. It's different, Chip Kelly, obviously. I'm not, they're good, but. Just look at Bill. Look at Steve. They'll do whatever it takes to win. Even Phil, back in his prime, not the New York Knicks, Phil. Just do other shit. All right. Uh, there are there is some NFL news. Um, a couple things actually. Niners Raiders related. Mayoko. Monday morning, writing when it comes to hard knocks, Niners uh, one of five teams that could be our buddy Matt Mayoko, NBC uh, Sports. Um, one of five teams that could be forced to appear on uh, HBO, but the Niners will not be featured. Multiple sources have told NBC Sports Bay Area. Uh, Lynch and Shanahan both have said they don't want to be on it. Also, he addressed the uh, what had been a rumor back in March, or uh, as he wrote, conjecture, that the Niners could get out of hard knocks if they traded not being on hard knocks for giving up a home date to play their season opener um, in China, and it would have been losing a home game. But he writes that there has been no league-wide discussion of a potential game in China, and staging the international event is considered, quote-unquote, a long shot at best. So it could be both best of both worlds for the 49ers. The, the uh, China trip would have been a complicated deal because the length of the flight, because I remember when you and I talked about it, when the story kind of broke, like they gave them a bye week two, and you're like, yeah. no, they can't. I mean, byes don't even start till week four, I think, or week three. It just turns out, you know, the league's not going to make them do anything. Do I, do I think the Niners have like Jerry Jones or Robert Kraft pulled? No. But clearly they have enough pull to avoid this. Because to me, the two teams that make by far the most sense are one of these two teams here. And somehow the Niners just completely avoid it. Is, I, I don't quite understand how they did it besides just because it's more than just John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan just saying they don't want it, right? The league, every team always says they don't want it. And they still give it to teams. Yeah, to me it's more about the NFL, like if they had – if they had a middle golf uh, whiteboard out and they were just like going through the pluses, the pros and cons, they'd be like, wait a second. We got a team that's moving to Vegas, so we need to promote them. And their coach is John Gruden, who was a TV star, and their GM is Mike Mayock, who was a TV star. It probably has more to do with that than the Niners or any or the Lions saying like, because I love that, because Peter King wrote, <laughs> like it's the Raiders or the Lions are also attractive. Really? How are the, the Lions, Lions attractive? They are 1 million percent not attractive. To me, it's the Niners and the Raiders, because I do think either one would be a big hit. But the Raiders are on a completely different level than the Niners with the fact that they're run by two TV personalities. 
like literally their general manager is not like a former GM turned TV personality, then back to the GM. He is a TV personality gone GM, which I'm not discrediting him either. I think he's, I think Mike's impressive. I've loved some of his hires guy, buddy of mine, Jim Abrams hired from uh, the Dallas Cowboys as his college director. That's a good hire. Dwayne Joseph from the Eagles. I don't know him personally, but everyone in the building texts me great things about him. That's a good hire. Like he's doing good things. But Mike, when the camera's on, is kind of gold, right? Talking about football, he's just good at it. And obviously, John is like the most hybrid media coach we've ever seen. Because like John Madden just became a media guy. Like obviously, Gruden never wanted to shake coaching. Like he was more coach to me still than Madden. Being our age, when when I remember watching Madden, I just assumed John Madden was just the guy that called the games. I didn't even know. I didn't even know anything about him. You know, just 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 John Madden had the video game, right? To me, John Gruden, everyone knew him as a, like he branded himself, fired football coach of America, always coaching. Like he was much more of a coach, and you always knew he probably gonna get back eventually. But when the camera's on, he's fucking gold. Like that, everyone's watching Mayock and Gruden, right? Hard knocks, and, and they got just, Antonio Brown, and they got Antonio. They Brown. They got a quarterback that, everybody knows, Derek Carr. Yeah, they just they got a bunch of first round picks. They're moving to Las Vegas. Like there's a bit. There are just multiple business reasons to choose that team. The the the, the ambiance of where they'd be shooting it for practices at Napa is pretty cool, right? Just kind of a unique place being in Napa Valley. I'm right. not saying that adds that much, but it's right. better than just like at the team's facility. It's kind of cool. It's just it's just cool. It it would be to me. I don't even think once you start doing out the pros and cons. Like, Kyle would not be that entertaining. He wouldn't be fun. I, Jimmy, no. The Niners aren't that interesting. You know, like, Staley and McGlinchey would be funny, probably. But that's, like, the Raiders have, like, legitimate, tangible. Bose is a story, but I don't think he'd be, like, a big personality. Yeah, I mean, one of the stories is, like, John Gruden's kind of coaching this year and this upcoming couple years for his reputation now, right? He staked his reputation on this. Can Mike Mayock come out of the TV that I think – Everyone that follows the NFL goes, God, this Mike Mayock's pretty smart. Now he's running, a, helping John run a team. I'd just be interested to see how the two of them interact, guys. Yeah, I think the TV people would be like, hey, this is this is gold. And then I think everyone else, NFL owners, are going, wait, we are all, 31 of us. We're vested in it. 30 of us. Spanoses. We are, yes, we're invested in Las Vegas working. Yeah. We're invested in Las Vegas working. This has got to work. So... Let's give ourselves every chance to make sure that people are invested in the Raiders and feel good about hopping on a plane, flying to Vegas for games, making sure that all the people in Vegas feel good about supporting this team. I think it's a really easy it's one really to It's really malpractice to. not to choose the Raiders if you're the NFL. To me, too, just because they're at the hotel, it's kind of easy to to accommodate you know, the cameras, right? Just you go, practice. You gotta, go to pra- sque- gotta go to Squeeze In Burger. Yeah, you got to go to Squeeze In Burger. The na- it's just an easy one. I-, I think it plays out. It sure feels that that it's these guys don't throw this out. Like Peter King knows people in the league office. It's clear where it's pointing and headed, and it should. Now Raider fans are like I don't want the distraction. Yeah, your team's not good enough to be like avoid distract. Like come on, it's just we want to see it, and the- I want to see it. Everyone like it's just it's just entertaining. It honestly, I think they would be really good, and I you'd leave like. It might help the kind of uh, some of, get some positive vibes back. Just like, ah, oh, these guys know what they're doing. Because the one thing John is good at, right? Buddies on the staff will be like, when he 
gets in front of the team, that's when he thrives. And just coaching offense is when he thrives. Just calling plays, working with Derek. Obviously, Mike, just talking players. Like, those guys will thrive just with the camera on doing that because that's what you do in hard knocks. All you're doing is just talking players and talking ball. That's what hard knocks is. The, pl- the players, you know, do some connections to the family and shit. But the coaches and the GMs, it's just football porn for them. You just they- talk players, you just talk, you know, Will they scheme. have like an – you think there will be like an off day where somebody goes – where like one, where somebody go, like they go to Vegas with a player as for like a promotional event or something like that, or does that would they not put a guy on a plane like that during camp? Uh, I'd be shocked during camp just because they. This is kind of going to be a big year for them. Like I think it's just going to be for John about football trying to win week okay. one. But th- there's gun. Don't you think there will be some like maybe the league? Yeah, I mean like some it's not event. Crazy. I don't. Maybe a player won't be there. But don't you feel? Can't you just see like? One part of one of the hard knocks, like the sun rising over the stadium in Vegas, and there's like some chamber of commerce event or yeah, I mean, I think part of it is to uh, your guy Mark Bedane just following him over there and doing yeah. some deals and yeah. then stuff like that. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, all right, John. Speaking of the uh, 49ers, I just got to just hmm. this guy just tweeted on my timeline. World Warriors World retweeted it. The Warriors orthopedist. Is that Elliot Schwartz? Said the best case scenario. No, I don't think he's the Warriors orthopedist anymore. For KD to return is game five. So I'm going with the assumption instead of letting ESPN gas me up after game two. So he he might miss the majority of the series. Okay. I don't, when does me... when does when does the Warriors orthopedist talk? I... Great question. It's got an Elliot text Greg a lot during the show, and then they quote him. But he, I, I'm. Wait, this is something Greg said on the air. Is that what you said? Well, no, he didn't say that. But I mean, Elliot Schwartz is an orthopedist, and I think they send players to him. You know, people just go to him when they have foot issues. Gotcha. Is that what he have a foot issue? What was what was his injury? His oh, calf. Injury is like a calf. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a foot. So Elliot, Elliot Schwartz hooked me up with some serious meds one time when I was sick doing the A's. I saw him. I. I got a little gym session this morning. He's get, he does a trainer like three days a week. It's like seven to eight. He was getting just a big time stretch out in an A's long sleeve. Oh, I love it. Uh, Peter King in his FMIA football morning in America, John. You know what I think when I read that 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 acronym? FML. Is, no, I think FEMA. Remember when? Uh, when what was the hurricane that really ravaged New Orleans before Drew Brees got there? Uh, not Sandy, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, yeah, jeez. Didn't didn't FEMA not help? Like I just remember FEMA being a really big deal. I just think FEMA. Like does Peter work for FEMA now? Yeah. Well, the whole deal was like the government was slow. Yeah, helping people out. Yeah, that's why Middlecoff had to go there and build houses. Well, then um, people would tell you when you went there, like they were rooting for that whole place to get kind of washed out. Uh, so Peter King, FMIA, did his basically a power ranking, and uh, all thirty-two teams, guy. Yeah, ranked them, and here's here's his rankings: one, the Chiefs; two, the Patriots; three, the Colts. Is that, is that a little disrespectful of the Patriots? <laughs> yeah, six. it is. <laughs> I mean, how could you do a list and not just put them one? Uh, three the Colts, four the Rams, five the Chargers, six the Saints, seven the 49ers, eight the Eagles, nine the Bears, ten the Vikings. This is what he wrote about the Niners at seven. Here's my big surprise, only I don't see it that way. In 17 and 18, they were 6-2 and two when Jimmy was healthy, 4-18 and 18 when he didn't start, 
his fateful last start. He tore his ACL and KC. These were the last four drives. He broke it down, John. The last four drives that Jimmy had before his ACL. 54 yards for a field goal, 87 yards for a touchdown, 77 yards for a touchdown, 58 yards for a field goal. Whoa! Jimmy G head-to-head with Pat Mahomes, Middlecoff, sign me up. So what was that, 14? For the Super Bowl. Two, two, two TDs, two field goals, 20 points? Yeah. Can I can I counter that just that piece of information a little bit? Mm-hmm. Pretty sure it was thirty five seven and a half. I wouldn't say garbage time, but if you're an NFL player and you're at thirty five seven, you take your foot off the gas a little bit. So again, just you play a different type of. De- I mean, in theory, you're just yeah, you do stuff. It was thirty five to seven and a half, guy. So that they were making a comeback and Jimmy looked good, but it wasn't a tie game and them going back and forth. No, and I it's not the same. It was a, it was a, dem- I mean, it was like, oh my God, the Niners are not that good first half. That's what my takeaway was. Like, this is a different level. Like, this team's going to struggle to get eight and eight. Peter's last word, I'm fine gambling on him and on Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. So, um, I would be on a 10 scale, how shocked would you be if the Niners turned out to be the seventh best team in the NFL this year? I, I'd, I'd be like at a nine. I'd be pretty stunned if they're the seventh best team in the NFL this year. If Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff did a top 32 rankings for the NFL, I, I think only the be, top 32 though. We're not going to go beyond that. Yeah, just only the top 32. I think we'd be hard pressed to have them, even in yeah. our business color glasses, because it'd be great for business if they were the seventh best team, meaning they would be a playoff team and probably competing to win the division. Uh, hell, they might. If they're the seventh best team in the NFL this year, I think there's a decent chance that that means you're probably 10, 11, 12. Like, you, you could be a division champ. Well, like, just like look at it like, what's. Would you have them head of the Seahawks? I, I, I don't think there's any way you can, without being a Niners employee, have an argument right now that they're not the third best team in the division. Would you have them head of the it? Texans? No. Would you have them head of the Cowboys? I, but I, the I'm Falcons? Talking, like, these I'm are the teams talk- that he's got 15, 16, 17. Yeah, under no certain. No. Now, I'm just saying top 10, John, top seven. There's some some merit, right, to like, I'm not going to be shocked if they're really competitive because Jimmy plays 16 games and they win nine, 10 games. They make a wild card. Like, I could see that happening. But I think the information we have is you and I are sitting here right now. I don't see how you put them there because I I think you could have made a better argument if, like, the Falcons were the seventh and you go, well, two years ago they were a playoff team. They beat the Rams on the road. They lost all their players to injury. They're going to be the bounce back team. Like to me, there's validity, there's substance behind that. Who would you say the other team was? The Texans. You had 16. So he's got uh, after these are teams after the 49ers, Bears, Vikings, how, okay. Browns. How could you put the Niners ahead of the Bears right now? You couldn't it's, do it. Right? It's just it's all yeah. It's a it's a major projection. What are the nine? What are the Bears? What are they best at? You go well. They have the best defense in the league. What are the Niners best at? Well, on paper. Their pass rush looks pretty good, but they're depending on a guy that's had one breakout year and he's kind of injury prone and Andy Reid just sold on. The other guy who missed more than half of his college season, but again, you combine him with DeForest, could look pretty good, right? On Jimmy, if he's on the field for 16 games, how many games has he played in his career? Well, 10. Has he been hurt? Yeah, he's had two major injuries. You know, it's like the the the, the curveballs with every variable of the best case, they are just like, damn. If it doesn't go well, right. it goes off the it goes off the rails into the ocean. Right. Because we've seen it now twice, right? That well, I guess not twice, because the first year their roster was really shitty. Jimmy got there, and I think we were all like, okay, Jimmy's really good. Jimmy, when he's when he's playing and healthy, he's a top ten quarterback. I think we're all comfortable saying that. 
to me, the big issue. I don't with know him, if everybody is. You and I are comfortable saying that. I don't know if everybody's comfortable saying that. Okay, I'm comfortable saying if he plays 16 games, he'll be a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. But I do acknowledge that just assuming he's going to play top 10, you can't assume that right now. Yeah. To me, it would be a big moment for his career, the Niners, and everyone if he plays 16 games this year, right? Right. Would that be as big of a story? Like, if they're good, like, the story's going to be, well, Jimmy's healthy, this is it. Like, he's the story. It's a lot on. It's it's, But it's just so dependent on him right now. Like, the... uh, Well, that's not a good example. But but, but I think here's the other thing, Guy. Back to you, you did the teams that he ranked after him. I think you just focus on, okay, their division. The Rams have proven the last two years are one of the best teams in the NFL. They have their quarterback coach and a majority of their core coming back. Now, Gurley's knee is a major question mark, but you'd have to put them ahead of the 49ers. The other team that has gone through some crazy-ass turnover the last couple years, their general manager said two years ago, it felt like we won two games the year they won nine, and then last year they made the playoffs. And they also have this guy that just became the highest-paid quarterback of all time in Russell Wilson and a coach that I don't know has won a Super Bowl and multiple national championships that's in their division who they play to me that's the big like how can they be better than one of those two teams like that would be a huge thing if the Niners are the if I tell you right now you know what the Niners are the second best team in the division you'd be like well there's a pretty good chance they probably make the playoffs right right because I think you could make the argument like could Seattle win the division this year I don't think we would I wouldn't be shocked would you I would a little. I mean, the Doug Baldwin not being an NFL player all of a sudden. But guy, he played twelve games. He I wasn't know. that big of a part. I, I know. I, 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 I would. If they won the division, I'd be a not surprised. No, I wouldn't be surprised. But. Yeah, I'm not. It'd be it'd be a whoa, but it, it wouldn't be mean. like you wouldn't be like uh, the New York Giants won the East. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But and, and to the point on Jimmy though, I I almost used this example and then I stopped myself. But no, this is a good example. I mean, it's an example. The Packers last year had sixteen starts from Aaron Rodgers and won six games. So even if Jimmy does start 16 games. But I do think a big difference there is most people were like the head coach of that team would just like what they were doing was just so stagnant. It wasn't really working. No, there's no doubt. I mean, but they were losing close games. Like they lost to Seattle by three. They lost to uh, Minnesota by a touchdown. They lost to Arizona by three. They lost to the Bears by a touchdown. Like they just they were just in games and some things that don't go your way. Aaron Rodgers had 25 touchdowns and two interceptions, John. 25 and two, and his team won six games. It's a little bit of an outlier statistical season. It didn't look like it didn't look live like the numbers. I know it's just wild though. But But I hear probably not a great example. But but I think there is some parallels. Like Jimmy could have 30 and 10, and you could still win seven. That's all. My only point was just like a good quarterback, even for this team, like 16 games from Jimmy. Still, I'm not sure what that guarantees them. Well, think how many times like Matt Stafford's had some good years where they didn't make the playoffs, like. A, a good year on a flawed team, which I still think they're somewhat flawed, doesn't guarantee you the playoffs, right? Right. right. Now, it should when your quarterback's really good. And that's what the weird And year if your coach is good, and if your defense is solid. <clears throat> yeah. Did you see Rodgers was like, uh, they interviewed him last week. He's like, I'm telling you, they're just showing us these cut-ups. It's all the best plays. Like, you know, they showed us this Julio 80-yard bomb, the sweet play to Brandon Cooks. It's like, these crazy Andy Reid concepts, like all the things the West Coast guys do, our offense is going to be sweet. 
Well, yeah. I mean, they're not showing you the shitty plays. They're showing you everyone that works. How about, it's like deep bomb after deep bomb. He's like, I can't wait to do these play action passes. How, speaking Sean, of bombs. Sean Jackson running free. Speaking of bombs, I did. that's the only thing I saw from Game of Thrones that interested me on Twitter was the like Aaron Rodgers, I guess, got blown up in the, in the season uh, on Sunday. Yeah, some big brawl. It was just he got exploded. Did you see it? <laughs> no. He, was, he turned a corner. And okay, I got one. He's not a you. major theme, right? I can. That's a spoiler. No, I, I, and A Rod dies. I, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, it's all over Twitter. Right now, you take a hundred bucks. Okay, let's say five hundred bucks. Put it like make it a little like you got to really think about this. Who would you pick to have more wins next year? The Packers or the 49ers? And they they play each other. I'm pretty sure. Mm. This is without looking at the schedule. It's just like I'm just saying when you think. You'd go, well, more than likely Aaron Rodgers is going to play a lot of the games, right? Yeah. Jimmy, you don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd go with Aaron Rodgers. Just because there's so many unknowns with both these teams, i just go with the Hall of Fame quarterback, I guess. Yeah, that, that's what I, that's my point, you know? Like, what is the likelihood that the 49ers are going to be better than the Atlanta Falcons? Yeah, that one to me. Do they play the Packers this year, or did I just throw that out there? No, they do. They play the... Oh, no. You know why they play the Packers? Because the Packers are fucking like... Bad teams. Yeah. <laughs> they were just... They were third in that division. So they're just that's just your third-place schedule. That, that's where it gets weird, I think, every year in the NFL. Sometimes if you're a first... Just because you were a first-place team... Well, if the two teams you play... Like, if you're a first-place team in the NFC... Well, that would mean you're the Rams, let's say. Well, if you play the Bears... What if the Bears, like, Trubisky gets hurt and they just have a bad year, Right. And the other first place team was the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a down year. Sometimes the third place teams. Well, if you're playing the uh, the Packers, and the other team is like uh, looks like the Redskins. Like, what if the Redskins are just sneaky decent? You know, you just never know. There's always a couple game swings that I think we all like talking schedules, but you just yeah. it's hard to feel. You know at this point in time in the year because there's always some curveballs because the Packers last year, most people I would say going into the year went, Oh, if you said Aaron Rodgers is going to play 16 games, you'd be like, Oh, they're a 10 win team minimum. They actually became a W for a lot of teams on the schedule. That's what's hard about football is that you just, there's going to be a couple teams are going to be a lot better and they're going to be a couple good teams that are just going to have down years. Right. And we just don't, the only thing we know is like never going to be the Patriots. <laughs> And that's really it. Like, okay, here's one. Like the Rams. The Rams have been really good this year. What if this is their year where they just go seven and nine? You know, just some weird shit happens. Maybe Goff like or even breaks nine a and finger. seven. Yeah, but eight and eight. So instead of those last two years, twelve, twelve, they come back four games. That because you're bound to even if Sean McVay becomes an all-time great, like he's gonna have an eight and eight season, right? Right. And Again, this football, like, we, like people get hurt. Quarterback like we always like we always say about Jim Harbaugh, if your worst years eight and eight, you're gonna be having a pretty good career. Uh, all right, John, do you have the? Oh, by the way, speaking of the PGA Championship coming up, mybookie.ag promo code ham and the numeral one ham numeral one. Uh, a listener came up to me in at the Cal Stanford game, one of the game, baseball games this weekend. Joe, so shout out to Joe who was like, hey, "How was Harding Park?" He just wanted to talk about our, our round at Harding Park. He's like, "Hey, man." Uh, Santa Rosa JC, that's where Joe's going to school. And uh, big listener, I was talking to a player's dad who happens to be Joe's uncle, and he comes up, and he's like, hey, man, I just want to say what's up. And the uncle is like, how do you know this guy? He's like, I listen to the podcast. 
Did so you get any? Did time. you get any dads come up to you that have heard you calling other games with their kid and be like, "I didn't like what you said about his six AB uh, three series ago against Arizona State." No, no. I, I, when you see a parent, you just get a lot of like, uh, "Hey, man, thanks for everything you guys do." Like, yeah. Just... Oh, the parent says that to you? Well, like, yeah, just because they know you're doing the game and they might live in another state and they watch the games. That's all. Yeah, but I haven't got. That I is mean, true. they just. Especially, well, they're with just saying it to base- me because I happen to be wearing Especially with the college world. baseball, that is pretty unique, right? It's yeah, like yeah. you get to watch your kid play on television, so which is sport which the most casual guy probably doesn't. You know, it's cool now, especially there's so many outlets. Right. So it's nice to know they're watching. That's good. Um, but anyway, Joe was fired. So this is for Joe and anyone else that's fired up about the uh, PGA Championship, like us. Uh, wh- so what are the odds, John, on um, PGA Championship? Where's is, where's the value? What are you looking at? Read them off. Well, let's just say it out loud. Do you think Tiger Tiger Woods goes back to back majors at forty two years old? I don't. But I but we didn't think he was going to win the match. We thought he could, but we didn't think he was going to win the match. If he had not won the Masters, would you feel differently about him winning the PGA Championship? Like if he had just lost them all, in our yeah, way, not like second, almost won, but just think, like finished. I think sixth. he'd be. I think he'd be a heavy heavier favorite if he had. Like come really close, yeah, or like finish think, third, but not lost on a last second putt. Like not. But even put if he all, lost on a last second putt, you'd be like, God, he's right there. But what would be the difference then? Like he still would have had to put in all the effort, to, just that he didn't win and he'd still be well, driven be, and motivated. He's basically, and, one of the best players in the world. Like he's gonna win one. But I'm just saying, think, why would you be more optimistic had he lost by a putt than the fact that he won? Because there's a hangover or something. No, you just say you just say it out loud. Like who wins back to back majors? It just doesn't happen very often ever, even for Tiger Woods' career. Right, but if he had if he had lost it, we'd be saying he's trending in the it, right direction. But if he had won, we'd say he peaked. Well, yeah, because if he lost it, you'd be like he's so driven, he's yeah, just got to get correct. over the top. Exactly. I would imagine. Well, I'm pretty sure he has not played since the Masters, <laughs> so he's fresh. Uh, my my big he didn't name play against right Romo now. this weekend. Romo beat like four guys. But Rome, so he finished like. Well, he was minus eight, didn't make the cut. But I don't think he finished last. Minus eight. I mean, plus eight. Okay, yeah. I think that's his home course, right? That's him and Spieth's home. You're saying course. that's the best he's got. Tell me this: Does Romo versus Steph doing the Tiger Phil thing get a lot of attention the way the Tiger Phil thing did? I mean, you can't pretend to make it a pay per view that everyone actually doesn't have to pay for. But could well, you? What if do I? It? What if I did this? What if we did Tiger, Steph, Romo, Phil? So like Tiger fall? and Romo against Phil and Steph. Would Phil be your fourth, or would you rather have another pro? No, that'd be my fourth. I want those four guys. Don't you think that would do as equally as well, if not better? Yeah, best play, just playing best ball. Or like you have to use one of Romo or Steph's shots on every hole. Yeah, maybe alternate. Like you could go a little Ryder Cup, maybe go like six, six, and six. Definitely. Like you just do best ball, then you alternate shot, and then you do like match play. I don't know. You just find a way to do it. Ooh, match play. I like my, that. my issue with Tiger this week is Augusta, it's, it wasn't super hot, but it by no means was cold. And even when it rains in the South, it's not a cold rain. I've seen some pictures earlier today on Twitter. It looks freezing cold in New York, which you go freezing cold. That's why Pebble even next week, though he's won, or not next week, but in like a month, it could be cold. Now it's the summer, so it might be kind of warm, but the wind. I just don't like Tiger with a with a stiff back, knee, Achilles in the cold, but he is 12-1. to 1. Uh, The betting favorite right now, 
are the two Bash brothers, DJ and Kepka, are a little slightly better 11 to 1. I love that those two are just, they are unreal. I mean, Kepka was, I was watching a little bit of the tournament on like Saturday. He was crushing. I mean, he's really good. He's I, just, he's, he crushes. Look, man, he I don't know. Big time you? Huh? Didn't he kind of big time you when you were calling the tournament in Atlanta? Uh, yeah, but I mean, in so fairness, much. you represent the, but he just despises. I was just, yeah, I was just a guy with a microphone and a shirt on, like, whatever. Would you want to quote? Uh, yeah, I was like, hey, do you have um, literally? A, do you have time for two questions off the practice range? Nah, I don't even think he acknowledges. A lot of guys are nice, but whatever. I was just like, hey, hey, Bro- hey, Brooks. You've just won uh, two of the last three majors. Any chance I could talk to you? No, media, me, media doesn't want to talk to me. It's kind of a big deal, you know. You've won two of the last three majors. You just claim we're here to talk. I got a microphone. Didn't want to talk. Um, but I just think it's funny, John. Like, this is where I think this would be incredible if Tiger won. Is we're like Tiger won. He did it. But he's still not the same guy. Because old Tiger, if he had just won, we'd be talking about how he's going to win all four, right? Uh, like if this was 2002. Yeah, like he's about yeah. to rip everybody's heads off. Well, because you just go, well, he's old. Yeah, but 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 he shouldn't have just done what he did to begin with. Do you think he's going to break Jack's record? Because I do. I do, yes. I do. I yes, actually heard I John. Da- I heard John Daly on the Barstool Golf podcast, and he's been one the one guy who's consistently said like, even when Tiger was at his lowest, like I'm never betting against him. Like Daly, like just this guy's drive. He's gonna break Jack's record. When everyone was like, yeah, it's never gonna happen. Even Tiger Woods kind of was alluding like, yeah, it's probably not gonna happen. Right? His body was taking a shit on him. This wouldn't be bigger than the Masters, but the story of Tiger Woods wins back-to-back majors, like just the moment, not the individual tournament. But if he were to win back-to-back majors, where will you be on Sunday if Tiger Woods didn't lead the PGA Championship? Like, fucking ratings would be astronomical. I'm all for it. I'm rooting for it. Don't feel great about it. Might just throw like 50 bucks because I want to be involved next time he does it. Because then, if you agree, if he wins this, and the next tournament is Pebble Beach, which the last time that he played in the U.S. Open there, he won by 15 shots. There would be substance behind. Is this guy going to win the Grand Slam? Is he going to win all four majors and break Jack's record or tie Jack's record in 2019? Would that be the biggest sports story of all time if he won all four majors? Yeah. <laughs> of all time. Because his Masters win was one of the biggest sports stories of all time. Yeah. All, I mean, he just got the presidential medal of honor or freedom, freedom or freedom <laughs> and the other four guys was one dude was like tiger's grandpa i mean unofficial grandpa that he looked up to like a black guy that had won a big tournament arnold and jack were the other three guy golfers that have ever won that award there is a ch- like there is a chance he just never wins another major i think we just act like he's gonna break jack's record and i do but there is a chance that he's just in the mix and a lot and a lot of guys he's already won 14 then add 15 his career's already kind of been made, right? I think it would be just a huge win for the sport if he's in the mix. Because we haven't really seen him for a while. It's been hard for me, and I love the sport, to watch. I'm like, oh, where's Tiger? I know. And then I got Justin Thomas, 20 to 1. Okay. Ricky Fowler guy, he's mm. going to win a major. Like, he's not going to go majorless in his career. I think in all four majors, you bring up his wiki, he's finished top five in every major he's ever played in uh at one point in time in his career so he is he's probably right now considered the best golfer to never win a major 
Now, why, why do I have this image in my head of him putting on the green jacket? Well, he's finished second there multiple times. Yeah. He's finished second at the U.S. Open. He's finished second at the Open. He's finished third at the PGA Championship. So he's finished top five, top three in every major. And then the the this is odds are pretty good because the guy's a really good player. Would be Bryson forty to one. When you got to last year to Atlanta for the PGA Championship, or for the FedEx Championship, was it called the PGA Championship? FedEx. No, it was the uh, FedEx Cup champ. FedEx. FedEx. FedEx Cup. Wasn't Bryson leading? He was. Yeah, he was first in FedEx points. Going into that weekend. Yeah, I believe. Uh, hold on. Him or Justin Rose was. Yeah, it might have been. Uh, well, Rose could have just. Two, yeah. I think Rose was. Either, second, but put but it this the, way: one of the both those guys could just win the FedEx Cup by winning that tournament. Or just like I or think Bryson like could have finished three. like top five, right? Yeah. But like if he had finished like third and Rose had finished like behind him, something like that. Yeah. So. But yeah. He was easily one of the better players on tour last year. He had, I think, he had three or four wins on tour last year. Is the reason he had all those points? Because you agree, Bryson DeChambeau is going to win a major in the next three or four years. Yep. Right. I agree. So, so it's forty like to one. Blaze Kepka going to win another one? Like all these guys, we think are going to win majors. But if you think Kepka is going to win another one, Kepka, is Kepka going to go down as one of the greatest golfers ever? Yeah. He's got, I mean, he's going to go down with like six majors. He'll, I know. I know. That's what I've. It's like, is, is now the time I'm going to start counting him out just because I don't think he'll win a bunch? Like, he, all he does is win them. I'm going to start betting against him now? Like, how many majors? Right? Like, he was many, in the mix of the Masters. How many majors do you think Phil Mickelson has? Four? He's got... So he's won the Masters sneaky three times. Not right. sneaky, so but he's, he's won five. that three times. So then he's, got he's, got, he's got five, five. majors. Yeah. So you're telling me... Phil Mickelson's probably a top five or six golfer of all time. Tiger, Jack, Arnold, he, you know, Watson. I mean, he'd be right in the mix of one of the great all-time players. Mm-hmm. Kepka were to win this weekend, which is not that crazy. He's the betting favorite with DJ. He's going to have one less major than Phil Mickelson. I'm just, all I'm saying is I don't think he's Phil, but I also Kepka's one of the great wild cards in golf history. Yeah, it'd be like... Three majors. He's like an NCAA tournament team that only gets in as an eight seed, but then is in the final four all the time. Well, he's like he's like Butler, but he's not an eight seed because he's favored. So I, it's weird, but I know he's one of the great sports outliers ever because he kind of came out of nowhere, but not really. I mean, he played at Florida State, but played on the European tour, and then he started winning majors. But he's got he's got five career tournament victories, but and four, and three of them are majors. Yeah, he's got five career tournament victories and three majors. Like, that's unheard of. Like, Phil has He's like 40... an NBA player. Doesn't care about yeah. the regular season. He's like CJ McCollum of the NBA, but <laughs> hates the media. Yeah, CJ loves <laughs> CJ has a podcast. Would you see yesterday, they took a picture on the flight home. I guess they flew Denver to the Bay last night. Dame carries a picture on the plane of Nurkic. So, they it's like 12 of them, and they have Nurkic's picture. They're all in, like, again, after Game 7, flying to the Bay, chilling. Like, in sweats, T-shirts, just relaxing. CJ, suit and tie. <laughs> I mean, Dame, he was in a T-shirt. Like, how did this guy put on a tie? I don't understand. The athlete, unless it's mandated that you wear a suit and tie. All these guys are wearing suits and ties. I'd be like, I'd be in a sweatsuit so I, fast. I do think a lot, like, I've seen the, I think the Warriors have done a lot more. Just, like, after they win, they put on, like, Warriors dry fits and shit. They don't mm-hmm. even care anymore. Because, like, what? I'm just going up to go home. I, I would struggle, guy. You're right. If it's not mandated, if I'm playing at Oracle and then I'm going to drive to my house and it's 11 o'clock at night and I'm going to go to bed, 
I'm not re-putting on my suit. Like I'm Steph Curry. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think they, they started to acknowledge it. They just they don't even re-put on their outfit. They just put on like a Warriors warm up. <laughs> I would struggle even if I had like a button up shirt. Like I ain't putting that fucking back on. Just give me some sweats. I'm going home. I'm with you. Unless it was an untuck it. Unless it was an untuck it. Promo code am. All right. On that note. Uh, How long is this podcast? Pretty good. Pretty good. Some work, right? Give it eight more seconds. It'll be an even 90 minutes. Yeah. Good I'm going to go eat a little, little lunch. Good pod. Three, two. No, I want an hour and a half. Okay. See you later. Later. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.